Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified self-image coach and empowered health coach with a decade-long background working in the health and wellness industry. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you're probably struggling with body image, self-image, or confidence issues. You're probably also trying to figure out why it is that you have these amazing desires for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life, but you can't seem to create consistent actions in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to live a fulfilled and authentic life. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living your most fulfilling life. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. Um, uh, Two quick little statements here before we dive into our topic for this week. Um, Statement number one is that you might notice that I sound a bit different this week. I'm still recovering from COVID um, and still in uh, mandatory isolation right now for testing positive for COVID. The, uh, the second statement that I wanted to make is that my husband also tested positive for COVID, so we are both at home for this entire week um, in mandatory quarantine slash isolation. So the, uh, you might hear someone talking in the background while I'm doing this recording, just so you know. Um, my husband is working from home, so he's going to be doing um, all of his meetings over Zoom and phone calls this week. So you might hear him talking in the background. So just be aware of that and please have some patience for me this week as I sound a bit funny and uh, I might sound a bit nasally or I might have to clear my throat or cough a few times. Um, So that being said, this week, um, if you follow me on social media, you already know that this week we are talking about perseverance. And I think that towards the end of the year, this is a great time to talk about perseverance for for many reasons. Um, I think that I also see a lot of people talking about perseverance towards the end of the year because people uh, usually set goals for themselves at the beginning of a year and they want to hit them by the end of the year. And towards the end of the year, some people... Um, are really trying to persevere through through obstacles, through difficulties, through uh, feeling discouraged to try and meet those goals that they set for themselves at the beginning of the year. So I figured this is a great time to address this topic because I have some interesting stuff to share with you all this week about perseverance and how it works, as well as some caution to offer you all who maybe in the midst of persevering um, and how we can use perseverance as a tool to help us, but also how perseverance can be harmful for us if we use it in a way that um, is not so uh, aware. So that's what we're going to talk about this week is perseverance. What What is it exactly? How do we use it to benefit us? But also, what are the risks? What are the dangers? What are the possibilities of misusing uh, perseverance? I've said this so many times before in other episodes that we have some very powerful tools at our disposal as humans to create growth, to create the, the lives that we want to be living. However, with all powerful tools, there is a way to misuse these tools in a way that is ends up being destructive for us, that keeps us from creating the life that we truly want to be living. So let's talk about perseverance today. I want to start off by defining the word perseverance. And perseverance can be defined as the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties or opposition. It is the steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, etc., especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. So 
There we have the definition of perseverance. And I want to define a few words in that definition because we're going to talk about them. And so I think it's important to understand what they mean. The first word that I want to define is difficulty. So difficulty is a thing that is hard to deal with, accomplish, or understand. And what I want to say is that in this definition, I would change this definition a bit. And I want to say that this is an example here of what I'm talking about when I say that we are very deeply programmed socially to have a victim mindset. Um, Even in definitions in the dictionary, it contains this. And what I mean is that if you look in this definition, it says a thing that is hard to deal with, accomplish, or understand. And so what I would change about this definition is that instead of it saying that this is a thing that is hard to deal with, accomplish, or understand, it's that it feels like a thing that is hard to deal with, accomplish, or understand. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, All right, so the second word I want to define here out of the definition of perseverance is the word discouragement. So discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm, or it is an attempt to prevent something by showing disapproval or by creating difficulties. All right, so remember that definition. And then the third word I want to um, define here out of the, the definition of perseverance is obstacles. So obstacles are a thing that blocks one's way or hinders progress. So we can see from these definitions, perseverance is when we continue moving forward towards a vision or towards something that we truly desire, even when things do not go according to plan. Things that we face when we persevere are things like difficulties, obstacles, discouragement, or even opposition. So I want to look at some of these and see a bit about how these can require perseverance from us if we want to continue moving towards something that we truly desire. So the first thing we're going to look at is obstacles. So remember, obstacles are a thing that blocks our way or hinders progress. And what I want to say is that when, I, when I'm working with clients, I see them facing two major kinds of obstacles, and that's external and internal obstacles. And where I see most people making their first mistake in perseverance is trying to tackle obstacles. And they make the mistake in the fact that they want to tackle the external ones first. You might be wondering, why is this a mistake? And the reason why I say this is a mistake is because typically external obstacles are simply a manifestation of an internal obstacle. And if you just go about eliminating the external obstacles, the obstacle will just re-manifest later in another way and keep doing so until you look at the internal obstacle. Think things like financial issues that might stand in the way of you and your desire that you're heading towards. But financial issues are usually a symptom of an internal obstacle that is blocking a person from having a healthy relationship with money. Other external obstacles could be things like um, not having proper licensing, credentials to pursue a desire, uh, not having proper finances. And typically, if you are facing this, there is a quick solution to go out and get the desired credential or to get the, the money or to get the proper licensing. But if you find yourself looking for ways around that, or looking for the fastest, easiest way to get that credential, then I would, I would encourage you to look internally as to what the fear is that is creating resistance to going through the process of learning by achieving the necessary credentials to continue pursuing your goal. Again, this is a sign that there is an internal obstacle and that the external obstacle is just a manifestation of the internal one. So what do I mean when I talk about internal obstacles? So internal obstacles are beliefs, thoughts, fears, and our feelings. Until we have looked at these and done healing work and learned to learn, learn to lean into and learn from fear, to question our beliefs in a way that produces growth, then we will manifest obstacles over and over along our way in our journey towards the thing that we truly desire. And what I want to offer is that you may notice patterns in the obstacles in your life, the external ones and that they have similar themes to them. And what I want to say is that lean into this, because this is a huge sign that what you are truly facing here is not the external obstacle. It's an internal one. The external obstacle, like I said, is just a manifestation 
of the internal obstacle. So if you notice themes in your obstacles and how they show up, when they show up, um, then I would lean in and start paying attention to that theme because more than likely it's trying to point you to what the internal obstacle is that is causing these external obstacles to keep coming up. Now, that doesn't mean that once we've done healing work and learned to manage our emotions that we'll never face obstacles. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you notice patterns and themes in the obstacles, then this is probably a good sign to look inward because it means that there is an internal obstacle that you keep trying to bypass. Okay, so next, when we try to persevere, when when we're in the state of persevering, we will face difficulties. Okay, so I want you to remember that with difficulty, it is something that to us feels hard to deal with, understand, or to accomplish. Difficulty is very similar to obstacles. But remember, I told you that I wanted you to pay attention to how I wanted to change the definition of this word to include the word feels, not is. Difficulties are something that we face that feels like it is making our journey harder for us. But I really want to emphasize the use of the word feels here. The thing only feels difficult. It is not factually difficult. If it was, it would be difficult for everyone, and everyone would agree. Instead, only some people will face this thing and choose the interpretation of difficult. And this is important to recognize, not because we want to dismiss ourselves and say this should not feel difficult. It is to recognize that it does feel difficult and lean into that. Ask it questions. What actually feels difficult about this thing? Why am I choosing to see it in a way that feels difficult? How might it benefit me to see it as difficult? How might it not benefit me to see it as difficult? How does it hold me back from what I'm heading towards to see this as difficult? Could it possibly feel less difficult if I looked at it in a different way? Could I change my story around this quote-unquote difficulty to a story that empowers me to move into it with courage? This is how we turn difficulty into growth without dismissing or abandoning ourselves in the process. It's by getting curious about the feeling of the difficulty and owning the fact that it is a feeling. It is not a factual thing that the thing is difficult, okay? And again, we're not doing this to dismiss ourselves or to shame ourselves or to feel guilty that it feels difficult or to say it shouldn't feel difficult. It's because the moment that we own that something feels difficult, And the moment that we own that our feelings come from our thoughts is the moment that we re-empower ourselves in situations that feel difficult for us. So the next thing that we have, and we're going to lean a little bit more into this, this feeling thing here. The next thing that we have that we face when persevering is we have discouragement. And I saved this one for last because... It kind of encompasses the first two, because when we face difficulty, when we face obstacles, sometimes we can feel discouraged. But I also saved it for last because it seems to be the one that is trickier to face in perseverance for most people. And I'm going to explain why. So remember, discouragement. Discouragement, the definition is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. It's an attempt to prevent something by showing disapproval or by creating difficulties. So here is what I want to say about discouragement. If you remember from my previous episodes where I introduced the thought model and the model of emotional responsibility, if you don't remember those things, then I would recommend go back and listen to some of my earlier episodes where I introduced this. If you do remember me introducing this to you and you already understand the thought model, um, then you, you already know this much. Nothing outside of us makes us have emotions. No one can make you and nothing can make you feel an emotion. It is our thoughts that create the emotions that we feel. And what I'm, so what I mean by this is someone can say or do something and you experience an emotion, but you are experiencing the emotion not because of what the person said or did, because you had 
It's because you had a thought about what the person said or did. Or you have many thoughts about it. And these thoughts are what create the emotions that we experience. And again, I am not saying this because I'm trying to say, oh, well, you shouldn't experience the emotions that you're experiencing. It's that once we recognize this, we can use our emotional experience as a way to re-empower ourselves versus feeling disempowered and helpless against our emotions. Do you see what I'm saying here? We don't have to be reactive to the emotions when we realize we're the ones creating them. We have the power here, not this other person. No one else is powerful enough to make you feel an emotion. And nothing is powerful enough to make you feel an emotion. So you might be wondering, what does this have to do with discouragement? Well, this is the reason why I see so many people getting stuck with discouragement. Where they might feel like they persevere through obstacles and difficulties. They might feel like they get stuck in this feeling of discouraged. So discouragement, if you think back to the definition, it is a feeling. We feel discouraged, okay? So discouragement, oftentimes we see things as being discouragement. But again, we remember the thought model. No thing makes us feel anything, including discouraged. So nothing can be discouragement. We only have thoughts about it where we feel discouraged when looking at it in this way through this lens of thoughts. So discouragement is a thought. I need you to recognize that. And where I see most people going about facing discouragement is that they attack the container. They attack the thing. They attack the form that they are identifying as that is the discouragement. And what I mean by that is that they attack this thing that they are choosing discouraging thoughts about to solve the discouragement versus noticing that the feeling of discouragement is coming from a thought that they're having and beginning their path through feeling discouraged by examining those thoughts. And this is why I see people throwing up their hands in the air and hitting pause, or they even choose to to quote unquote quit in their journey when they feel that they are facing discouragement. They feel that something outside of them or around them needs to change first for them to be able to move forward through the feeling of being discouraged or feeling discouraged. Now, I want to be very clear about something here. This doesn't mean that when you feel discouraged, that there might not be external triggers to those thoughts that create the discouraged feeling. Same thing with the difficulty, same thing with the obstacles. And I'm not saying that we might not want to take on the mission of reducing the amount of those triggers in the world. But here's the important thing to remember. This model of emotional responsibility does not remove the quest to alter life and human behavior around us. What it does is it puts the power of our feelings back in our own hands. So we know that when a feeling is something that we are using to hold us back, We also recognize that we have the power over that feeling, not something else having the power over that feeling. So this is the point of looking at this. It's not to to tell ourselves that we shouldn't feel discouraged. It's not to tell ourselves that we shouldn't want to change behaviors that we feel triggered by because of our thoughts about them that create feelings of discouragement, that create feelings of difficulty for us. That's not what the the goal of looking at this through the thought model is not to should or should not ourselves. It is to re-empower ourselves, to recognize that we have the power over our feelings, our emotions, not something else. And we can feel any feeling and work through it and process it and show up in the world ready to take on any mission, ready to face any emotion, including discouragement. Because we recognize that although that quote-unquote big mean CEO or boss or politician or whomever we saw as being the source of discouragement is not actually factually powerful enough to make you feel discouraged. Only you are. And when you recognize this, all of your power is back in your hands, not in the hands of the big bad mean CEO or the boss or the politician or the mom or the dad or the the spouse or the friend or the co-worker, none of that. Only you have that power. And 
With this power, when you are ready, you can lean into any emotion, find the thoughts and beliefs underneath it, and create healing and growth and new action or behavior forward. So the reason I'm saying this is because I want to say, please do not think that what I'm saying here is that we should not want to change the amount of triggers in the world that we face. What I am saying here is to take your power back before you go on your mission to change the world around you, the life around you, or other human behavior. Because if you go about trying to change other people's behaviors or the world around you from a model of emotional irresponsibility and victimhood versus empowered and emotionally responsible, then you will be fighting a battle of emotional manipulation. And you'll be attempting to control other humans' emotions for them, which is an impossible mission. It's an impossible mission, because in the end, the other people also have the same power to choose their own thoughts about you, what you're saying, what you're doing, and what they feel about it. So sometimes emotional manipulation can get a result that you desire for a period of time, but you're never truly controlling their emotions. Only their thoughts are. So this is an impossible mission to go about trying to change the world from a battle of emotional manipulation and attempting to control other people's emotions. And what I want to say is you don't want to keep trying to fight that fight. It will get you nowhere that you want to go in life. I promise you that. So now that we've looked at these things that we face when we choose a path of perseverance, I want to talk about another way in which I see people choosing to persevere that's also quite destructive. I know that people think that, that perseverance is this very noble path to go on and that we should just, you know, keep fighting, keep going forward at all costs and that, that you know, persevere, persevere. And what I want to say is that perseverance is a very powerful tool and we have it in our corner and we want to use it to our advantage. But like I said before, there are ways to use it in a way that end up being destructive. And the way it becomes destructive has to do with what we choose to go after when we choose to persevere and why. And there's that why word again. Guys, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. This is literally the most powerful word that you can have on your side in human growth and development. The, the question of the, the word why. So you're probably a bit confused at this point as to, as to why I'm saying this. You might even be thinking something like, so what you're telling me is that now I have to know the difference between the right things and the wrong things to persevere after? And the answer is yes, but maybe not in the way that you think. So stick with me here. There is no definitive objective list of things that are right to pursue or wrong to pursue. It is all in the why here, okay? So let's go about exploring the why. The why is the purpose behind the action, behind the desired outcome. But I also know that as a society, we are generally encouraged to look at and focus on the what. And some of you might have, might be sitting there thinking, okay, Seth, you lost me. So let me give you a brief recap here. So in life, we have desires. And when we are not busy numbing ourselves to our feelings or avoiding our emotions, when we're not trying to buffer away our feelings with things like food, porn, sex, alcohol, people-pleasing, watching television, scrolling social media, the list kind of goes on and on there, we can find what is called our true desires in life or our purpose. And I know that many people think that their desires are maybe bad or that they should not give them much attention because they've been taught to look at desires as being something that's that's bad to pay attention to. I know that me growing up as a Christian, I was taught that desire is, is I don't know, something sinful to, to follow. So typically when I work with people who have these views about their desires, when we dig a little bit deeper, what we find is that the desire that they they are really afraid of, that they're afraid of having, is actually a false desire anyways. And what I mean by that is it's a desire that they're pursuing to escape the discomfort of growth. The growth of what would happen if they leaned into and found their true desires. So when we know our true desires, we begin to understand something called purpose in life. Okay? Our purpose is something that is so close to us, that's so woven into why we are here on earth. 
And it's something that is very deep and very vast in every single person. The longer we know our purpose and we pursue it, the more layers to it we find. And the more beautiful to us that purpose becomes for us when we pursue it. But the purpose is the why in life. Why we choose to do anything that we do and go after manifesting any external goal in this life. Purpose is typically expressed in the form of things like values or things that we're sensitive to in life. Think words like connection, love, compassion, empathy, loyalty, abundance, wealth, joy, peace, community, unity, equality. The words the words can go on and on and on, and in obviously infinite languages that we have available to us here on earth. So things like this are how we express our purpose with language. It is a feeling that we want to create more of in this world. We express it as words like the ones that I listed above, but it's actually a feeling that we want to create more of in this world, something that we're sensitive to. It may even be a feeling that we want to create the opposite of in this world that we feel sensitive to. So for instance, someone may feel extremely uh, sensitive to disconnection. So they want to create more connection in the world, if that, if that makes sense to you. And when we go about wanting to create more of these feelings, we will do so by taking actions that manifest these things physically in the world, or at least how we see them showing up physically in the world. And things that we feel have a high probability of triggering that same feeling in the world around us. But here's where it typically falls through. Most people, when they go after a desire in life, they are either chasing a false desire, one that is designed to distract them from the true desire, or they're going after a what, without knowing their purpose or their why. And remember that only a thought can create a feeling, not a thing itself. So I see a lot of people chasing a thing to give them the feeling they want to feel in the world. They either forget or they have never had a clear understanding of their purpose and their why, or what emotional responsibility is, or what having an empowered mindset is, versus a mindset of victimhood. And this is where perseverance can become so destructive in a person's life, and in their relationship even with themselves. So perseverance is about continuing moving forward through obstacles, difficulty, discouragement, to head towards something desired. Remember when I told you about those false desires, and that they are usually there to distract us from a true desire. So it goes a bit deeper here. So get ready for this. The thing you are chasing, if you focus on it versus the purpose behind it, it can become the false desire. Even if you were originally going after it to accomplish a true desire or a genuine, authentic purpose meaning that continuing to chase after it can become a distraction from the true desire, which is the purpose or the why. If you haven't already listened to the episode that I did with Mike Iamelli where we talk about life purpose versus passion, I would recommend going back and listening to that before continuing in this episode because I'm going to summarize it briefly here, but I want you to have a clear understanding of the difference between life purpose and passion before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode. So I would say pause here, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. It's again, it's the episode with Mike Iamelli, and I believe the episode's title is Life Purpose Versus Passion. Listen to that in full and come back here and then finish this episode. So basically, purpose is your why. Passion is the what. Passion is a container. Passion is a thing. Purpose is what you put into the container, into the what. This means that sometimes the container that we choose, or the passion we choose to pour our purpose into, after a while, as we begin to recognize more of our purpose, we also begin to recognize that the container, the passion, the thing, isn't a good fit for our purpose anymore. This really happens quite frequently as we pursue our purpose deeper and deeper, and the layers of illusions kind of fall away as we begin to see our purpose clearer and clearer with more depth. And what this means is that the passion, the thing, the container that we've been pursuing to grow in our purpose might be what is holding us back from growing in the journey, because that container, that passion, isn't designed to grow 
to, to fit your purpose inside of it. And I know for a lot of us, we're taught to sort of focus on the passion, focus on the thing, focus on the title, focus on the career itself, the job title. And we get scared to shift because of what it might mean about us. And so we end up pursuing a container, a passion, a thing versus the purpose. So let me give you an example here in my own life of of how this has happened. So maybe you'd understand a little bit better what I mean. So a lot of you know this already about me, but some of you don't. Before I was a life coach, I was a personal trainer and I was a nutrition specialist. And as a life coach, I have changed the title of my niche as a coach so many times as I discovered deeper and deeper layers of my purpose in being a life coach and what I was wanting to create, which is more empowerment, connection, compassion, understanding, love in the world. So the title of the kind of coaching that I do has changed many times as I realized that the previous label had some dimensions to it that weren't a good fit for the work or for the purpose of the work that I'm doing with my clients. The same thing applied to me having the title of personal trainer and nutrition specialist. I went into the journey of those titles wanting to help people. And I struggled, resisted, and suffered in that journey for a long time because I was so focused on the what, on the title of being personal trainer, nutrition specialist. And I was so focused on how those titles gave me purpose. And I was so focused on that that I could not let it go of them, even after I realized that the dimensions of those containers didn't fit what I wanted to do, didn't fit my purpose, my why. And the thing was, I was afraid to lose the title or to change the container because I was so attached to those labels as being what gave me purpose that I actually lost sight of my purpose. Literally, the the desire... To, have, to be a personal trainer or nutrition specialist became a false desire for me because it was there distracting me from my true purpose. So when I did that, my, my false desire became a false purpose, which became persevering after something that had actually become a false desire for me, which was to have this title of personal trainer and nutrition, uh, nutrition specialist. It was basically distracting me from my life purpose. My purpose was to create more empowerment, to create more love, more compassion, more understanding, more inclusion and connection. And what I was creating instead by pursuing these passions was people disconnecting from their bodies and even disconnecting from other people in their lives due to shame of their disconnection with their bodies and of their bodies itself. I was creating less compassion as people judged themselves and others due to the shape of their body, their size, their strength, and their ability. I was creating conditions on love as I taught people that they didn't love themselves because of how they looked or how they they saw their body shape or because their body wasn't healthy. And as I did this, the whole time, I knew, I, I felt that something just felt off. It didn't feel fulfilling. I felt stuck. I felt unhappy. I felt like I was hiding something from myself that was so important for me to see, but I was really afraid to look at it. And that something that I was trying to hide from myself was my purpose. I didn't want to let myself explore it because I was afraid that if I did, that I might not be able to love myself. Maybe I wasn't able to be compassionate with myself. Maybe I wasn't able to connect with my own body. Maybe I was too judgmental of myself and I wouldn't be able to get past that. I was literally using my work as as a personal trainer and nutrition specialist as a way to resist seeing and healing that in myself. So as you can see here, I was persevering. I was persevering. I was battling through obstacles, through feeling discouraged. I was battling through what felt like difficulty. And I battled to gain respect as a personal trainer, as a nutrition specialist. And I even had what most people would have labeled as success in it. But on the inside, what I felt was unattached. I felt unfulfilled. I felt rejected. I felt full of judgment. I felt like an imposter. I did not trust myself at all. So why is that? It was because I was pursuing passion, not purpose. I was pursuing a what, not my why. I was persevering, but I was persevering against myself. And what happened was, is that I recognized that the approach of personal training and and nutrition to teach people how to change their bodies 
was not helping me to heal the wound that I had surrounding my own values and my own sensitivities in life. My sensitivities to connection, to inclusion, to compassion, to love, to understanding. The harder I battled to prove that changing our physical body through diet and exercise would be the solution, the more I felt disconnected from myself and from my own body. The more I fought for the what of having this fit, strong, lean body as being the source of feeling good, included, connected, understood, loved, whatever, the more I felt the opposite of these. And I chose to keep persevering in this for years, a fear of being labeled as quote-unquote a failure by changing the direction of my path. I was literally afraid that if I changed my path, people would be like, oh, see, he has no idea what he's doing. Look, he's having to change his path because he doesn't know what he's doing. And for fear of that, for fear of my own judgment of myself, I persevered in this path. You see, it wasn't that the personal training was wrong or that nutrition advice was wrong. It was that these two things were very small containers. And my purpose was so much bigger than these two containers. I still practice personal training. I still practice nutrition consulting to this day. But I do so with these two containers being held within a much bigger container of life coaching. Which at this point is fitting my purpose very well in life. My purpose of creating compassion. My purpose of creating more understanding, more connection, more inclusion, more love without conditions, and more trust in the world. And eventually, maybe I discovered that this container has boundaries that my purpose no longer fits within, and I'll move to another more elastic or more expansive container. My journey will show me that when I get there. But I give you all this example for two reasons. I wanted to explain this to you all. Reason number one is to see that pursuing passion over purpose can create a lot of suffering for a person and cause a person to feel unfulfilled and even stuck in their own life. The other reason I share this is because this is a huge area where I see people getting so confused when it comes to perseverance. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about knowing how to persevere while remaining flexible and non-judgmental about being flexible, about pivoting, about shifting, and without allowing fear to become something that holds them back from persevering after purpose over passion. You see, in the example that I gave you guys from my own life, I pursued passion, the passion of fitness and physical health and nutrition, which were great little containers for my purpose in the beginning as I was unpeeling back the layers of it and growing in it. But once my purpose had outgrown the walls of that passion, of these passions, I was too afraid to grow further outside of them. And so what I did is I desperately sought ways to hold on to these passions as being the source of my purpose, because I was afraid. So I wasn't flexible enough to expand, to pivot, to grow, to change my path to a newer, larger container that better fit my purpose as I uncovered deeper layers of it. And what I see is that so many people become so rigid in their perseverance after a passion that they box themselves in, and then they lash out like caged animals at anything that threatens the container that they are boxing themselves in for fear that the container is what gives them purpose. And they're afraid of being shown that this container is not a good fit for their true desire, for their purpose, because they're afraid of what it would have to quote-unquote mean about them. They feel that if they, they change the container, if they change the path, if they, if they recognize that their purpose is calling them in a different direction, and if they express this outwardly by changing directions, that this somehow makes them purposeless or a failure or irresponsible. And then there's another side to this. I also see people using, instead of rigidity, they're using flexibility as a reason to give up on purpose. When purpose becomes scary and hard to persevere in. And so what they do is they use flexibility as a way to keep changing paths to easier paths. At every chance. Every chance they get to pursue another passion. And they're not doing it because this new passion is a better fit for their purpose. It's because it feels safer, it feels smaller, and it distracts them from the uncertain growth of following their true desire and their purpose. You see, guys... We often romanticize this idea of finding our purpose, 
And that when we find our purpose, we're just going to start living it and everything's going to be beautiful and fun and great and it's going to feel amazing all the time and daisies and rainbows and happily ever afters. And here's what I want to say about that. First of all, that's crap. This is the the Disney model of, of living life and it doesn't work. So following purpose, it feels scary sometimes. It feels so uncertain sometimes. It's supposed to. But I get it. It's uncomfortable. It feels that way because we have been deeply programmed to seek certainty and believe in the illusion of it. Socially and biologically, we are programmed to do so. And when we choose to follow our purpose, we also choose to lean into uncertainty and choose to make discomfort a welcomed choice versus being something that we resist and avoid. And this is why following purpose can feel so scary to us. I talked about it before. It has to do with our brain's biological programming. Remember to the brain, its main job is to keep us safe and alive. And it has some some really big strategies, some main strategies that it, it goes to, to sort of do this for us. Things like avoiding rejection, seeking connection at whatever cost and avoiding anything new or uncertain. All of these strategies come at a great cost for us, though. A cost that seemed worth it millions of years ago. But today, that cost has become really apparent to us. It's coming closer and closer to the surface, and it's harder for us to ignore and sweep it back under the rug. The cost is our relationship with ourselves. The cost is that we lose our true connection to ourselves and to one another. The cost is that we lose sight of our unconditional worth and lovability, and we replace it with conditions, all in, in the, the name of, of seeking a feeling of certainty, a feeling of external connection. And the longer we go down this path, the more conditions we place on our worth and our lovability, both as a species and as individuals. The collective and individual wounding of our relationships with ourselves is so grossly apparent in the 21st century. And I'm not saying this, I don't think that violence has increased in the 21st century. If anything, I think violence has decreased. But our awareness of it and our lack of tolerance of it has made it abundantly clear to us that the path that we are on is one that breeds violence, that breeds disconnection, that breeds judgment, and it breeds suffering. And as a collective whole, that that wound is too close to the surface to ignore it anymore. It can't be swept back under the rug. And we all feel it. We're all seeing it now. So this biological programming to seek the illusion of certainty and the illusion of external connection, it feels scary when we move into perseverance of purpose and growth. It causes feelings that feel scary to us. And it may even feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. And the truth is, if we resist, if we ignore, if we numb, if we indulge constantly, then yes, we will never be able to do anything about this biological programming. And if we keep trying to attack it at the behavioral level, like we've been trying to do for for many decades now, then we will only keep creating temporary patches for it. So what I'm trying to encourage is that it's time that we dive in and get below the surface and look at this head on. It's the only way the solutions are found instead of temporary patches. And it's the only way we're going to learn how to use perseverance in a way that serves us versus working against ourselves and doing it in a way that literally creates disconnection from ourselves, creates distrust within ourselves, that damages our relationship to ourselves. When it comes to perseverance, this biological programming is going to come to the surface. And it uses this fear, this desire for the illusion of certainty to keep us in one of two paths. And neither leads us to taking the path of growth in our purpose. Path number one is the path where we constantly change paths according to new passions that feel like an easy escape route from following the uncertain path of purpose. Path number two is the path where we stay rigidly fixated on a thing, a container, a passion, a what, as being the source of our purpose. And we persevere after it no matter the cost. 
including the cost of it distracting us from our purpose and taking us down a path where we feel inauthentic, we feel unfulfilled, and we suffer. And then we throw on top of that that we have the social programming to focus on passion, to focus on what, to focus on the things as being what gives us fulfillment and purpose in life. And what do we end up with? We end up with this world that we see now that is full of people who either fear perseverance or they persevere on a path of suffering, no matter the cost. So the question then becomes, how can we begin to know for ourselves or how can you begin to know for yourself if you're being flexible and persevering or if you're rigidly persevering or if you're fearfully bending and flexing to avoid purposely persevering. And what I want to say is it all comes down to one thing here. And we've talked about it before so many times. It comes down to fear. I did a whole entire episode on this where I talked about how fear is our loyal friend, especially in the journey of growth. I actually recommend if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the episode where I talk about fear. I also did an episode specifically on FOMO, one of the fears that I talk about in the episode of fear. So I would say go back and listen to both of those and then come back here. Because this battle here, this being able to understand which path we're on comes down to fear. Because remember, I told you, fear is our most loyal and powerful friend in the growth journey. And this is one way in which it is true in our quest for perseverance of purpose. When it comes to perseverance, fear is our biggest indicator of whether we are on the path of purpose or on a path of self-rejection, suffering, all for the sake of pursuing passion. A what? A container. A thing. And you might be wondering how fear helps us here, so I'm going to explain. Okay, so when a person is pursuing passion at the cost of purpose, there is fear present. The purpose doesn't simply go away. Neither does the fear. Some people, we bury it really, really well. We bury it with distractions, with emotional avoidance. But it's still there. And it's causing you damage the longer you hold on to it without leaning into it. You will know you are on this path of pursuing passion over purpose because you keep arriving at the conclusion that the path you are on is not getting, getting you where you want to be. And that the idea of looking for other options might look like weakness. It might look like failure. The, you, you might have beliefs that the idea of, of changing paths will look like you're irresponsible, that you failed somehow, that you weren't good enough in what it was that you were doing, and so therefore you had to, to quit and try something else. And what I want to say is this. You are designed to succeed in your purpose. What it is is that the container, you are, the container you are in right now that you have boxed yourself into is too small to fit your purpose. And therefore, it's too small to fit your success within your purpose. So you're so busy trying to prove that you can succeed in that container. But what I want to say is that this isn't where you want to waste your time. Because even if you do prove that you can succeed in that container, no matter how much perceived success you achieve within that container, you're still not going to feel fulfilled. Because you were designed to fill full a much bigger container, the one of your purpose. You will notice on this path that you have fears that you will not be able to handle the emotions that could possibly come up if you were to choose to follow a new path that feels more aligned to your purpose, that feels more aligned to your true desire. You may also see signs that you're on this path because you have experienced success in the container of the passion that you're pursuing, but every time you experience quote-unquote success, you feel like somehow you've sold yourself short, that you've sold out, that it's not what you really wanted. But you're afraid that if you let anyone know that you will seem like a phony or a fraud or that you'll seem weak. This is a sign that you are on this path of pursuing a thing and it and a what. You're persevering after it over, over pursuing your purpose. And you're doing so at the cost of your relationship with yourself. So the sign you're looking for here is that you fear what switching paths or switching containers, switching passions, or the what. You're afraid of what that quote-unquote has to 
or quote unquote would mean about you as a person. And you're afraid that it means something bad about you, about your worth, your lovability, your likability, your success, your acceptability, whatever. If you ask yourself about switching passions to another passion that is calling you, and you feel a fear of judgment of yourself, of your worth, if you follow that calling, then my friend, what I want to say here is that fear is trying to speak to you. It's trying to tap you on the shoulder and remind you of your unconditional worth. It's trying to remind you that this passion is just one small container contained within the bigger container of your purpose and that you're designed to fill that bigger container. And it is time to step out of the container that you're boxing yourself in into the bigger container of your purpose by following this newly lit passion that has presented itself to you in life. That's what that fear is there trying to show you. So the other path that we talked about is the path where you constantly keep switching passions to, av- to avoid your purpose because of fear in continuing to pursue your purpose. And fear presents itself in this path as well, but in a totally different way. So you'll know that you're on this path if you feel fear or find yourself avoiding feeling fear surrounding your inadequacy. You might feel fear that you could never succeed on your current path and that you should just go ahead and give up now and save yourself the embarrassment. Save yourself the time. You may notice fear that something will be too difficult for you to handle if you stay on this path. So it's probably better just to switch now to another passion that feels easier, more certain, or more like something you're already good at being the best at. And you'll notice a trend of constantly seeking new paths in your life like this. But they're not paths to grow. They're paths to avoid a fear of growing. And to avoid a fear of your belief that you're not able to do so. You'll notice a trend of, your, of you self-sabotaging anytime you begin to make progress towards a true desire. You'll notice that you believe that this is because something is wrong with you. And this is something that is wrong with you and why you're just unable to grow. And that you are just meant to constantly change paths to avoid your purpose or change paths because you will always be blocked from your purpose and that you are not able to change that. That you're not able to go after the true desire or the purpose. And what I want to say is that these are all signs that you're persevering too. But what you're persevering after is victimhood. You're persevering the familiar discomfort of a victim mindset in which you are powerless and unable to follow a path of growth towards your true desire, towards your purpose. So that's how you'll know if you're on one of those two paths. Those signs right there of how fear is showing up. And then there's the path of following purpose, of persevering in the path of purpose. And what I want to say is that fear is involved here too. So the the goal is not to be on the path where we feel no fear. Fear will be present no matter what, but look at how it's showing up. Where is it pointing? That will let you know which path you're on here. So the path of following and persevering after purpose, fear is involved here. We have to remember where this fear comes from. And then we can use that fear as a friend to guide us into that path of purpose versus using it as a way to distract us from our path of purpose, either by constantly choosing new passions because we're afraid to grow in our purpose or by resisting following our purpose by sticking with one passion and rigidly following it with perseverance to avoid growing into our purpose. You see, when we follow purpose, we will be growing, we will be deepening, we will be expanding, stretching, and elevating. And as we do so, we'll be moving into uncertain territory in life. We won't know for sure how our current skill set will hold up. We won't feel certain of our success. But we will feel the calling to move forward and to follow our purpose and our true desire. And when we do this, fear will come up. Remember that fear is a powerful spotlight of our thoughts, beliefs surrounding our conditionalness. Surrounding our persevered limits to our worth. But when we remember that these beliefs and thoughts are always only an option. 
And when we realize that fear is simply an emotion pointing us in the direction of noticing those thoughts and beliefs that are only always an option, then fear becomes this powerful ally that we have and helping us to see thoughts and beliefs that are keeping us feeling stuck and like we cannot move forward in pursuit of our true desire and purpose in life. Fear becomes this loyally honest friend who will never let us lie to ourselves about where we're telling ourselves stories of victimhood or stories of conditionalness about our worth and lovability. Fear will always be that friend who will stand up for you and say, hey, you're still doing it to yourself, and here's your chance to set yourself free. When we begin to see our relationship with fear in this way, and when we have become clear on our purpose and our why, not the container, not the what, not the passion, then we can begin to use fear to help us persevere in our journey to fulfill purpose to its deepest and most profound layers. When we're pursuing a what, when we're pursuing a container or a passion, then fear becomes something that we use to indicate that we should, quote-unquote, or we must, quote-unquote, avoid following our true desires or our purpose. And we can still persevere in that path, but we will be doing so at the expense of creating distrust in ourselves. We'll be doing so at the cost of rejecting ourselves and our true desires over and over again and creating suffering for ourselves in our life. So... What I want to say is, my friends, perseverance. We persevere by first knowing our purpose and by unattaching from containers or what's or passions and instead attaching ourselves to our true desires, our why, and our purpose. We persevere by taking that knowledge and then choosing to see fear as an indicator to lean in, not avoid. We see fear as an indicator to find the thoughts and beliefs that we are holding on to about ourselves that create a story of victimhood, that create a story of conditional worth and conditional lovability. We persevere by seeing all of this and feeling fear, leaning in, owning our unconditional worth, and choosing courage to step forward through any perceived obstacle. We see through discouragement because we recognize that the feeling is coming from a story of our own, a thought that we are having about ourselves and we release our attachment to it. That's how we persevere, in purpose. We step forward into anything that feels difficult because we recognize that it only feels difficult. It's not factually difficult. And we allow ourselves to feel that it feels difficult, but we step forward anyways. And when we do the things that feel difficult, we learn, we grow in them, we expand our skills, we learn new tools, and then eventually, guess what? They no longer feel difficult for us. But this way of persevering is only possible when first we attach to our purpose instead of the what, instead of the thing, instead of the container, instead of the passion. We persevere in a healthy way that creates self-trust when we do this. When we allow ourselves the freedom and flexibility to grow in our understanding of our purpose and then to pivot and shift containers, shift paths and shift plans as we see fit to continually pursue our purpose and our ever deepening understanding of it. And when we do this, we're also able to release this feeling of shame that somehow because we're shifting paths, because we're growing in our understanding, because we're shifting containers, we can release this idea that somehow we were doing it wrong before, or that we were wrong before, that we were irresponsible before for being in the container that we were in or in the path that we were in. Here's the thing I want to say about that. We needed that part of the path to bring us to our current understanding of our purpose, which has provided us with the deepening awareness that is redirecting us now to the new path, to the new container that is better suited for our purpose. So we don't need to shame ourselves and be like, oh my God, I was so wrong before. I was so off before. I was so bad before. I was so irresponsible. We don't need to do all of that. Being in the container that we were in before, the one we boxed ourselves in and attached our purpose to, that was all part of what brought you to where you are now to recognize your deeper purpose and be able to pivot into a new container and follow that purpose deeper. So my friends, perseverance, it's a powerful tool, 
but it's again a tool that we can misuse in such a destructive way if we first do not do the deep dive inward and understand ourselves, understand our true desires and purpose in life. And then we can persevere. Then we can begin to persevere. I think so many people think that they they struggle with being able to persevere, that they have no perseverance, but that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is all of us are persevering. We're all doing it all of the time. The question is, are you persevering in the path of your purpose or are you persevering in a way to try and distract yourself from it? You have perseverance, my friends. You have the ability. The question is, are you using it to pull you toward your purpose or to distract you from it? And the only way that we learn that is by diving inward first, taking a look at ourselves, taking a look at our thoughts and beliefs, taking a look at our emotional responsibility and where we've been giving it away to people and choosing a path of victimhood instead. And only then... And seeing our purpose, can we start to persevere on a path that feels fulfilling, that brings us closer to ourselves, that reconnects us with ourselves, that reminds us constantly of our unconditional lovability and worth? That's what perseverance is about. This is how healthy perseverance shows up. And that's what I want to share with you all today. It's not a matter of whether or not you're persevering. It's a matter of how you're doing it. What is your why here? Is your, is your why behind your perseverance to distract yourself from your true why, your purpose? Because if so, that is a path of unfulfillment and suffering for you. Or is your perseverance being used to fulfill your true purpose and your true why? I know there was a lot covered here today. And I know that there is really, there's so much more surrounding perseverance to cover, but I can't fit it all in an episode. So what I want to say is that I welcome any and all questions about this topic. If listening to this episode brought up any questions, then I want to say all of the ways to contact me, they're linked in the show notes. So reach out, ask your questions. I'm here to answer as best I can for you, whatever your questions might be. So Don't think that when I put out this episode, I thought, okay, this is just going to teach everyone everything they need to know about perseverance. They shouldn't have any other questions. No, I hope you do have questions. Reach out, ask them. For those of you who who listen to this episode and you might be thinking, hey, perseverance towards my purpose, that's something I'm struggling with. Either you might feel like you're persevering in a way that's damaging your relationship with yourself, or you feel like you don't persevere at all after anything because of fears. If you notice patterns of either of those paths that I mentioned in this episode today, and you would like to begin an unstoppable journey in your life of freeing yourself from those patterns and stepping into a path where you are on a journey towards your purpose, no matter what, that you are unstoppable in pursuing that purpose, I want to I ask you to reach out as well. I'm here to coach and guide you into this journey. You can follow the, the same links that I mentioned in the show notes. Reach out. Or you can go to my website. On my website, there is a link to book a free discovery call. And in this call, we're going to sit down. You can sit, you'll literally sit down with me directly on a Zoom call. And we'll talk directly about the struggles you're facing and how coaching might be a fit for you to free yourself from this. And what I want to say is this discovery call is entirely free. There is no obligation. There's no sneaky, you're signing up for something in the background. No, there's none of that. This is entirely free and there's no obligation to coach with me just for signing up for the call. So there's no fear there. You're not secretly signing up for some huge commitment with this call. It's simply a 30 minute to one hour Zoom call where I get to know you and your struggles a bit better and share with you a bit about my coaching style to see if it's a fit for you and what you're looking for. So I want to encourage you, reach out. I'm here to help, to guide, to support, and to serve, okay? All right, my friends, I'm going to leave this episode here with you. I wish you all an amazing weekend and a beginning of next week. And I wish you all the most powerful journeys of healthy perseverance until we meet again here next week. I love you all. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. 
Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at SethLusk underscore coaching. Again, that is SethLusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.